what I'm going to be talking about today is formative discipline, and this really kind of piggybacks off what uh, uh, Kent talked about last week. Um, and so briefly, just to get started, I'm going to kind of go over um, just a little bit of what we talked about last week, uh, uh, just because it really kind of ties into what we're going to be uh, speaking about today. Um, so a brief summary uh, of last week was that we were trying to get to the heart of behavior. Um, so scripture teaches that the heart uh, is the control center for life, and a life is a ref- life and behavior are a reflection of a person's heart. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Behavior is an overflow and a window into the heart. And I think this is important for child-rearing as it teaches that behavior is not just the fundamental issue that we're looking at. The issue is what is going on in the uh, kid's, kid's heart. Parents are often sidetracked by behavior as it's easily, it easily alerts us that something is not going on right and needs correction, and it can easily become the focus of what we're uh, trying to correct and focus, but a child's needs are deeper than that. Behavior is really a reflection of the attitude of the heart, and therefore we must be concerned with these attitudes of the heart to understand and help correct behavior. And I think Jesus provides a good example of that because when we look at Scripture, he was really concerned about the sin patterns that were driving our behavior. Uh, He was maybe more concerned about those than he was the actual behavior, uh, if you look at Scripture. Um, In Matthew 5.21, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to people long ago, Do not murder. And anyone who murders is under judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. So Jesus was focused more on kind of the internal uh, heart issue than he was the out, outward uh, focus. And then he goes on in that same uh, little bit later in that passage in Matthew five twenty seven. he says, you have heard it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. Um, and so again, Jesus was concerned about the heart and the behavior, maybe more so the heart. If we want our children to look more like Jesus, then we have to look deeper than just their, own, their, their outward behavior. And I think another point that is important to make before we get started with all this is that this same uh, principle applies to our own hearts. Uh, I think for us to be able to discipline our own children, we have to look at our own hearts and kind of the behaviors that are uh, being an overflow of our own hearts. Um, what attitudes are driving our own heart and our, our, our behaviors? Uh, what does our obedience look like? What do we become frustrated and angry about? What is the sin that continues to ensnare, ensnare us? Are we content with things? And what types of things lead to discontentment? And I think it's important for us to deal with those questions and the sin in our own hearts uh, so that we can better help our children to be able to deal uh, with the sin in theirs. Um, One of the major keys that we're going to be talking about today as we uh, talk about how to help uh, children deal with with sin and their attitude and uh, the outflow of their hearts is we're going to be talking about uh, uh, communication because the communication that we have and foster with our kids is really going to be a key to helping us to be able to disciple them uh, and to get to the the heart of the matter, if you will. And so we're going to talk about communication uh, today. we're going to talk about four different things with regards to communication. Uh, the first is, why do we communicate? What do we communicate? How do we communicate? And when and where do we communicate? 
So before I get started with that, I just wanted to see if y'all have any questions or comments uh, or anything um, with regards to anything I've said or anything from last week. Okay. Um, so first, we're going to talk about why do we communicate. So uh, the bottom line is that we image God when, you communi- when, when we communicate. God is a communicator. It's in his nature to reveal himself to us and to the world. And he specifically uses words to do that in a lot of instances. Uh, when we think, I, I pulled just a couple of places in Scripture where God used words to communicate. And uh, in Genesis 1, God speaks and the world uh, comes into being. So God's words have power. And I think that that's important for us to realize is that our words have power towards our children as well. Uh, and that can be both good and bad. Uh, so we, our words have the ability to build our children up uh, and it also has the ability to tear them down, uh, to discourage them. Uh, and so I think that's an important point to kind of keep in mind and, and remember. Um, God also revealed himself to Abraham through words. Uh, so in Genesis 12:1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on the earth will be blessed by you. So the point of this is that God is a communicator, and his speech speech is powerful, and he reveals himself to us through it. Um, I think another point to keep in mind and to remember is that Scripture is God's speech and his word to us. Uh, And so to know and be known, relate, express, and communicate knowledge, these are all things that we do because we're made in God's image. And we are created in God's image and have been given charge of other souls that are created in God's image. And God's given us charge, the charge to teach and to nurture them. Uh, he commands us in Deuteronomy 6, 4-9 that we're to communicate truth to our kids. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so again, we're commanded to communicate truth to our children. And this is a weighty command. Uh, There are multiple instances in the Bible uh, where these truths were not communicated to children, and we see the devastating consequences of that. Uh, Judges, too, is, is probably one of the uh, uh, easiest ones to kind of think about and remember. But in Judges 2, it says that after the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baal. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers. And this is Judges 2, 10 to 12. And keep in mind, this is the generation that had, uh, had, uh, was one or two generations removed from them seeing the Red Sea parted, seeing uh, the, the journey through the wilderness, seeing the conquering of the, uh, the pagan uh, civilization in Israel. And then they forgot to teach, or they didn't teach their children uh, what God had done, and they forsook God. And basically, there are, there are devastating consequences. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's important to remember that we're primarily responsible for teaching our kids uh, about God and what he has done. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not Sunday school's teacher's responsibility. And it's not pastor's. 
uh, it's our job as parents uh, to uphold that responsibility and to teach our children. And when we don't uphold that responsibility, it's the children and their children, the next generations, that are really the ones that are made to suffer. Uh, again, we can think about the example in Judges. I think that we could look at our own country. You know, when my parents were growing up, uh, most would probably consider the United States a Christian nation. And I don't know if we can say that now. Uh, and when we look at kind of the things that are going on in our society. Um, I think the other thing that's important to remember that when we don't uphold our responsibility, there's devastating consequences. But when we do, God has promises for that too. And, and those cr- promises are seen in Psalm 103:17, where it says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with his children's children. And then in Deuteron- Deuteronomy 7, 9, says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. And so the last point I'll make is that um, we communicate because God tells us to, um, but I think it's also important to remember that when we don't communicate, we're still communicating. Uh, So um, even if we choose not to interact on our kids on a deep level, a spiritual level, that communicates something to them, right? Um, so uh, I think, you know, in my generation, as men, a lot of times we're uncomfortable with communicating with our children sometimes. And I know in my generation there is a lot of uh, men who grew up who maybe their, their moms or their mothers were the spiritual leaders in their family. Uh, and their fathers rarely, if ever, had, you know, conversations with them about spiritual matters. And I think uh, that does communicate a lot to, to, to people, to, to children, about what's important. You know, if, if a dad doesn't talk to a kid uh, about spiritual matters, th- that kid is going to have that in his mind, that dad must not think this is important. And so uh, our kids are going to mimic, mimic our behavior, and they're going to follow our example. And so I think the way that uh, when we communicate to them the things that we think are important by our own behavior, uh, and I think this, again, goes back to what I was saying before where, uh, when we deal with our own sin, it helps us to discipline our kids. Um, you know, a few of the things that I thought of when I was kind of preparing this message is, is you know, what do my kids see me doing? Am, am I on my phone all the time? What kinds of things am I watching on TV? Who am I choosing to be around and spend time with? Uh, am I in the Word? Do they see me praying? What types of things get me frustrated and make me lose my temper? Um, and so all of these things communicate uh, to our kids what we see as important. So I just want to open up and see if anybody has any questions or comments uh, about that, that point, and then we'll kind of move on to kind of the next, next things. Okay. Um, so the next, next point, if you follow the outline there, is um, what are we communicating? Uh, and so there's a lot of examples of instruction, information that we can communicate to our kids. Uh, you can teach them how to make a sandwich, how to throw a baseball, how to read, how to write. Uh, but I think more importantly um, than any of these things is how do we train our kids biblically? I mean, what do we really want for our kids? Does anybody have any thoughts about what they want for their kids this morning, um, ultimately? Okay, that's good. Anything else? <laughs> yeah, that, that, I mean, that's, that's what I want. I mean, I wrote... Uh, that I want my kids to be self-sufficient, have an education, have social skills, to function in society, to be successful uh, with what they do. Um, but I want them also, more importantly, to have a biblical worldview. 
um, to have a relationship with Christ, that's going to be a solid foundation for them in their life for anything that, you know, that's thrown at them. Uh, and especially in today's world, I want that to be, to be the center of their lives because, I mean, we, there's a lot of success in our country right now, but that may not always be the case, and there's going to have to be something that supersedes all of these external things. Um, so I want my kids to be leaders that love God and change the environment that's around them at home, work, school, uh, and church. Um, and mostly I just want my kids to have a relationship with Christ because that's the one thing in this world that can't really be taken away from them um, and is unchanging. And in Romans 8.29, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And this is God's will for, his, for our children. And so we want Christ for our kids. I think for, um, for Christian maturity, for our kids to know Christ, I think uh, there are two things that uh, they need. Uh, they need the Holy Spirit, and they need the Scriptures. Um, you know, we can't impart the Holy Spirit to them. Only God can do that. Um, but we can impart the Scriptures, and we can teach them the Scriptures. And I think that's our task that's in front of us is to teach, scriptures to our, teach Scripture to our children. A couple of examples from Scripture um, that kind of reinforce this idea is that uh, in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish what, that, which I, that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit into the joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And then lastly, 2 Timothy, Timothy 3.16, All scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As you can see, the scriptures tell us the truths about God. It convicts. It helps us to tell good from evil. The scriptures introduce us to God and train us to follow him faithfully. And God in the form of Christ is the good news, and that's what we want for our children to know and follow. And so we communicate his word to our children. Again, teaching external behavior and ignoring the heart is not the goal. It's not sufficient. And it actually can be deceitful and even in some cases deadly to just teach children that Christian behavior, to teach children Christian behavior or just to act like Christians. We want to teach Scripture so that it will permeate their hearts and pray that God's Word will transform our children. When we just teach Christian behavior, we're really just creating little Pharisees um, who don't know God personally. They, they may know how to behave, but they don't know God on a personal level. Um, one of the pastors that I listen to a lot, Matt Chandler, uh, out of the Village Church in uh, Flower Mound, he often talks about how in the Bible Belt there's a lot of people who are inoculated to the gospel, and we kind of, uh, that inoculation example I think is really uh, salient at this point with what we've experienced the last couple of years uh, with COVID. Uh, but uh, what he, you know, his point is that, um, you know, when we teach children Christian behavior or bring them to church, but we don't really, they never get to really know God. They just know the rules for good behavior, but they don't know God. Uh, and in many ways, it makes them worse off uh, because they don't think that they need God at that point uh, because they know the right behavior or the right routines. 
And so we can inoculate our kids to the gospel by focusing strictly on Christian behavior uh, and uh, or Christian routines. And in, in that case, they just don't know they don't know God personally. And so we want to make sure that we're not just communicating about good behavior, but that we're tr- uh, communicating Scripture and truth about our sinful nature, about God and His gospel, which is really the remedy for our sinfulness and our sinful behavior. Do you have any questions about that? Comments? Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, um, yeah, it's a great point. Any other comments or anything? Okay. Um, so I'm going to move into kind of the third uh, part of the talk this morning, uh, and this hopefully can be a little bit more interactive. Um, uh, and we're going to talk about how do we communicate. And so, um, you know, we think about when we think about parenting and our kids misbehaving, we often reduce the sort of parenting aspect of misbehavior down to three different elements. So you have rules, correction, and punishment. And then that translates into reducing parenting into three roles. You have the lawgiver, so you give the children the rules. The cop, someone's responsible for policing those rules. Uh, And then when they break the rules, you have a warden who enforces the punishment that's handed out for breaking the rules. And so when you think about, you know, I, when I kind of thought about that, I thought about society, and I kind of looked up some stats. And we know that in society, you know, having laws, cop and warden, works to some degree, but it doesn't always work. And about 50% of, I'm sorry, two-thirds of the inmates who are released, they repeat offend. So obviously that doesn't help, the, help that behavior. And then 50% of people that are imprisoned and repeat offend will be imprisoned again. So you think about that and how in society these three roles don't necessarily lead to the behavior that we want. So it's deeper than that. And so those roles are important, important but in addition to those things, I think there are other, th- other aspects that we have to focus on to really kind of get to the heart of the matter. And so that leads us to things like encouragement, rebuke, entreaty, instruction, warning, and prayer. And so in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. So, again, warn, encourage, help, be patient. 
And so one thing that we get from this verse is that with different occasions and different here's different kids, we need to have different approaches or tools. Um, you know, how many times as parents have we preached to our kids when really all they needed us to do was get down on their level and listen to them? Uh, and how many times have we gotten onto our kids about laziness when really they needed instruction or encouragement? Um, and so what we're going to do now is just kind of unpack a few of these other uh, things so that we can kind of have this idea as a, having uh, more of a toolbox that we can use when parenting and, and kind of dealing with some of the behavior of our children and getting to the root of the matter. So the first one is rebuke. So a rebuke censures behavior. Sometimes a child must experience your sense of alarm, shock, dismay at their behavior. And so you want to be extraordinarily clear that that behavior is not acceptable. An example of this is in Ephesians 4.29. It says, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And so a real-life example that I thought of uh, was, son, don't burp at my table. Okay, It doesn't need a lot of explanation. You just don't do that. So that's a rebuke. Do y'all have any examples of that that y'all have um, seen or used with your own kids? <laughs> okay, that one's pretty self-explanatory. Um, the next one that I wanted to talk about is entreaty. And so I really didn't know what this was uh, until I went over this. But um, So this is an earnest and intense communication. And it can be a pleading, an urging, even a begging. Uh, and it's an earnest pleading of a mother or a father uh, who, understanding his child, the need of the moment, and the way of God, is willing to bear his soul in the earnest pleading for his child to act in wisdom and faith. And so I think the important thing about this is that we want to use this carefully. We don't want to use this for just mere foolishness, uh, but we want to use this when we see wandering. You want to entreat when you see a danger like the pull of pornography, sexual immorality, or a cold heart. And so an example of this is in Proverbs 23, 26. It says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes keep to my ways. One of the examples I thought of in parenting is that um, several months ago, uh, one of my kids got in trouble. Um, and in you know getting upset about getting in trouble, he said, "I just wish I wasn't here." And so you know that kind of raised my alarm. Is you know that's uh, concerning talk. I don't want to hear that. Um, and so in that situation, I took him in my lap and I tried to really speak truth to him. I tried to encourage him that he's God's child, that he's loved, um, that he's special, that he's one of a kind. Uh, we talked about some scripture. Uh, and uh, I told him that it breaks my heart when he, when he says things like that. Uh, and so um, that was kind of an example that, that I have had. I think I'll probably have more examples as my kids get a little bit older and deal with some of these kind of more weighty issues um, uh, as they get a little bit older. Um, but has anybody here had an example of that where you really kind of are getting down on the kids' level um, and talking to them in that way? Um, the next uh, tool that we have in the toolbox is instruction and teaching. And so this is a process of providing a lesson or a precept or information that will help your children to understand and function in their world. Um, and as a parent, you are the, really the main means by which God is going to move your children from complete ignorance to knowledge of the world and the wisdom of God. And so uh, we often get defensive with our parenting, so we spend a lot of time correcting uh, punishment are correcting and punishing our kids, uh, but I, it, it's, it's important to think of instruction as one of the main tools that we can use as parents. Um, 
when our kids do poorly in one area, we should probably ask ourselves, now what have we taught them about this? Um, and so um, one of the examples that I thought of uh, was that uh, several months ago, and I'm using my boys as a lot of example, <laughs> but, um, but one of my boys spanked my, bot- my, my wife or one of his sisters on the, on the bottom. I can't remember which one. Um, and so in this instance, I, after correcting the behavior, we talked about why it's wrong. You know, what are the consequences that can happen if they were to do that at school or when they get bigger, if they were to do that at work or when they're in college and, uh, you know, they can have some very major devastating consequences. So we kind of went over that. Um, can you all think of any examples of instruction uh, or teaching that you have used uh, to teach a lesson or instruct a lesson? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I just think about little things around the house. It's a lot. Of, the kids are a lot more willing to help pull the weeds when I get out there and kind of point out to them, okay, this one, this one, you know, and supervise the job as opposed to just saying go outside and get the get the job done. <laughs> um, so, um, okay, that's a great example. Appreciate that, Ryan. Um, so one example, and uh, so a couple things I would say about uh, instruction. So. When we use entreaty sparingly, we want to use instruction daily. So instruction is probably the tool that we're going to want to use the most. Um, An example in Scripture is Psalm 78.4. It says, We will not hide them from their children, but we will tell the coming generation of the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and his wonders that he has done. Um, And uh, next is going to be warning. So warnings are uh, times when you... uh, Help your children guard from a probable danger. So warning should not be a threat, but it should be merciful speech. Um, it's the equivalent to posting a sign uh, uh, for informing drivers that, that a bridge is out. So um, in Scripture, uh, one example is Proverbs 14.23. It says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And so there, are, there can be helpful warnings and unhelpful warnings. And so one example of a helpful warning is saying, you know, if you do not clean your room, we will not be able to go to the birthday party. So you have a clear instruction or a clear, you know, um, instruction and a clear uh, consequence. Examples of unhelpful warning is, would be, do you want a spanking? Then go clean your room. If you don't start cleaning your room by the time I count to 10, you're going to be in trouble. So those types of things lead to, especially the second one, leads to delayed obedience, which really is not obedience. Um, can y'all think of any examples of warning uh, that y'all may have used? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good point. <laughs> you got one, Jake. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, those are all great. I appreciate y'all um, giving some more examples. So the next and last sort of, uh, and I don't want to say that these are the only things that we can use, but the next one that we're going to talk about is is prayer. And so this is really a communication with God and not the child. And so it's an important one because understanding how and what children pray for is a window into their souls. And it's important for a child to see a parent's heart as they go to God with, uh, with, with prayer. Um, you know, praying allows us to show kids that we can love our God and we can pray to him in earnest and we can live this out in front of our children. So praying with our kids can teach our children that, as parents, we are under authority, that God is the one to turn to in our need, and that we live a life of faith. And so, in summary, we, uh, with all of these uh, tools, is that we need to develop a tool, bit, tool book that God uh, has given us with communication. We want to avoid just being the lawgiver, the cop, and the warden, and we need to coach and encourage, challenge, lead, teach, and pray to be most effective. I think the other thing, a couple other things that are important to consider with all this is it's important to consider when you have a monologue and a dialogue with, with children. I think there's times for both. Um, you know, there are times when we need to instruct or entreat or warn a kid, and uh, they need to listen. And there are other times when we need to have a conversation and try to understand what's going on in their heart. In their heart. Um, you know, our sin- sinful tendencies are that we are to, you know, that we just preach to a child and uh, um, when we should be dialoguing with them to understand what they're struggling with. And I think it's important to kind of consider, you know, you as a parent, what your tendencies are. Um, I think um, in my own life, I probably don't spend as much time talking with my kids about their behavior as I should. Um, I know that uh, one example uh, with, with one of my kids is that uh, he was having a lot of uh, breakdowns, and, you know, I would threaten a spanking or 
take away a privilege or put him in time out, and I thought that this would kind of change his behavior. And then through uh, just some outside uh, stuff with our family, we kind of learned that he was actually having a lot of anxiety. And that's what was leading to that behavior. And so that's kind of helped me to kind of understand so that now when we see those kind of patterns kind of acting out, it's helped me to kind of really get down on his level and, you know, say, well, what's making, you know, what's making you anxious? You know, let's see if we can kind of fix that. And that's really kind of helped. And it helps him, too, to kind of redirect his behavior in a way that's constructive as opposed to destructive. Um, Do you have any questions or thoughts about any of that? So, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. <laughs> All right. So uh, we got just a little bit more to go here. So um, the last uh, thing we're going to talk about today is when and where do we communicate. And so in Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, it says, These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. This seems to be saying that that we should talk to our kids everywhere and all the time. Uh, That we're to teach them the scriptures when we talk talk about how to apply them in many places, circumstances, and times. Tie them on your, the part where it talks about tie them on your hand seems to be a metaphor for having the scriptures really govern our behavior on a daily basis. Uh, and bind them on your head seems to indicate that the scriptures should govern our thoughts. And so we're to use every opportunity to teach our kids the scriptures that, go, that are to govern our lives. Um, and so I think I'm going to just give my wife a plug here. I mean, this is something that she does really well. Um, and, uh, you know, she's a lot better at this than I am. Uh, but, you know, she's constantly talking to the kids around the breakfast table, uh, teaching them scripture at breakfast, in the car, on the way to school, whether they're praying on the way to school or, um, you know, talking about the scripture that they talked about at breakfast, um, you know, talking to them about the ways of God uh, when they're getting ready for bed, uh, and talking to them about the grace of God and praying with them. Um, And so I think, you know, that's just really important, and she does a great job at that, and I'm blessed to have her do that for my children. Um, 
Another thing I think that's important uh, with regards to uh, uh, when we talk to them about uh, Scripture is I think that we have to be intentional with that uh, and making time to have a conversation with our kids um, and to probe their heart and to understand where their hearts are. Um, this summer, uh, we had sensed the need that one of our kids needed to have a little bit, uh, some deeper, con- that we needed to have some deeper conversations with her. Um, and uh, with some things that were kind of going on at school that we kind of caught wind of. And um, so we kind of set some time aside to talk to her about those things and uh, ask some questions and probe her heart. And really the dialogue that came about was was really good uh, because she was kind of dealing with some issues um, uh, where some of her friends were dealing with some gender identity stuff and some bullying, and we were really kind of able to talk about those things with her and I think have a better understanding of what, she was kind of going through uh, with those things as well. And so, um, and we wouldn't have been aware of those things had we not taken the time to talk. talk. So, y'all have any questions or concerns about, about that? Uh, when, and, when and where we communicate? Okay, so I'm going to just go ahead and conclude uh, this morning um, with a couple things. So, parenting, it's a giant act of faith. I mean, we communicate... Uh, the communication we're discussing is seed sowing, and we have to wait and see how it grows. We have, by faith, we, we wait, we pray, we, we trust that God will uh, you know, ultimately bring about fruit in our kids' lives. I think um, anybody who has had multiple kids kind of realizes this. I think we were a little naive um, when Camille was born. We just thought we were doing such great jobs as parents, and then our boys came along and humbled us. Um, so, um, so I think, you know, it's just important to realize that God, God is the one who's ultimately in control of the outcome, and it's not necessarily our parenting. Uh, I think also it's important to realize that good behavior doesn't necessarily indicate a good heart uh, or a good heart posture. Um, and so just in uh, conclusion, you know, to truly discipline our children, we must use communication. And why do we communicate? Because God commands it. What do we communicate? The truths of God. How do we communicate? With encouragement, rebuke, entreaty, instruction, warning, and prayer, and when and where do we communicate? Anywhere and everywhere. I think the more that we, I think it's important to know, and this is how I'm going to end, is that the more that we deal with our own sin, I think it uh, better helps us to help us deal with the sin of our children. Uh, it allows us to be a model for them and to reinforce our communication. And I think the most powerful way that we can really communicate truth to our children's lives is by living lives that are saturated by the gospel through the reading of his word, through involvement with biblical community and uh, that lives that are led by the Holy Spirit. And so with that, I'm going to just leave it open to any questions or thoughts that y'all have, and I appreciate the time this morning. All right. Thank y'all.